Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. I think, you know, if you're taking notes, it's really important that we understand the title of my message today because it's going to get us into everything else. It's titled, For Such a Time as This. And, oh, man, I don't know about you, but this past year and a half has just kind of been uh, crazy. I don't know if you guys feel that. And if you've never, by the way, if you've never heard me speak, I kind of, I like to connect with you like I'm talking to you. So you can actually talk back to me when we when we're doing this, but um, have any of you guys felt like this is insane? At some point in the past year and a half, have you felt that? Whether it's politically, relationally, physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, I feel like we've been hit at all angles, right? Like it's like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And uh, unfortunately, some of us have learned to follow the CDC guidelines and the science better than the word of God. And I think that we've gotten so good at standing on our dots and taking orders and we've forgotten who we are and whose we are. And today I just want to challenge you because we're five months in to the year, which is kind of crazy. And I want to be someone who listens to and applies God's truth more than the world's truth. And so there's a few things in here we're going to talk about, but... I wanted to just start off by saying that I know, I know, I don't know everything in the Bible, but I know what the Bible says and I trust God, but sometimes it's difficult because I get frustrated and I'm tired of pushing. And then there's times where I feel like, man, is there anything that I can do that's going to make a difference? Is there anything I can do that's going to matter? Because it seems so big. Like for most of us, we won't probably admit this, but When we say the world, we mean America. (laughs) Like we're like, the world's crazy, but it's America because you don't even really think about what's happening in India right now or what's happening in the rest of the world. You're just thinking about your world. (laughs) And that's just true. But if we're thinking about our world even, it seems so big. Like how, how could something that we do affect everything or the future, right? And I had this feeling about this, but I remember, you know, last weekend we talked about action. And it's kind of cool because the focus of what we're talking about today comes from Hebrews 11. And the title of that section in the Bible is Faith That Produces Action. And this verse might be somewhat familiar to you and you can follow along. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit a couple different verses in Hebrew 11, Hebrews 11 during this message. But in this one, this might be one that you've heard before, but I don't know if you realize this is attached to our action. So faith is being sure of what we hope for It's being sure of what we do not see. That is what the people long ago were praised for. We have faith, so we understand that everything was made when God commanded it. That's why we believe that what we see was not made out of what could be seen. There are things that I love about this verse, and there are things that challenge me about this verse, and that's indicative of the Bible, right? Like you're like, yay, and then like the next verse, you're like, wait a second. But whenever I think of this, I think, you know, how can you be sure of what you do not see. Because you know who is in the unseen. So God, what I've learned in my life is that God does his greatest work in the unseen. Think about your life right now. All of a sudden you happen upon a miracle or move of God. Like it didn't just happen right then. God had been working when you weren't even aware. He had been doing something when you were frustrated, when you were angry, when you were upset. God was moving. 
And so I feel like sometimes there's times where it's like easier to believe that God's moving than others. But many of us, we found ourselves in this past year and a half feeling overwhelmed with life, maybe even uncertain of the future. That's gonna, of like what the future is going to look like. And you might find yourself today sitting in Elevate Life Church, led by fear, societal pressures, anger, instead of faith. But I want to encourage you that there's more than what you see right now. God is working. He is moving. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. Things are not too bad for God to turn it around. What if he's doing it right now and you just can't see it? You know, we look at this passage in Hebrews and it lists people like over and over and over again of all these people that had faith. And I'm just going to give you a few of them because there's like a lot. But it's Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses' parents, which is interesting, but I'll get back to that. Moses, the people of Israel, Israel's army, Rahab, and more. And the cool thing about this verse is that it says this person had faith, so they did something. Think about that in your life. If someone said your name and you had anger, so you canceled everybody. You had insecurity, so you stayed still and never did what you were supposed to with your life. You like fill in the blank. Think about the things that represent us. There's things right now in our life that we are putting our foundation on, that we are trusting in, that are not leading to results that we want. And I love that this shows you the result of faith is action. When you have faith, you don't just believe. You believe enough to live it. And when I look at these people that took faith and they made it into an action, much like us, their lives were entangled with faith and pain and wins and setbacks and God moments. And sometimes I look at stories like this and I wonder, but what's my role in 2021? Like, how, what role do I play in this world with faith and action? When I look at Hebrews 11, 33 through 34, it tells me what this did for these people. It says, because of their faith, they took over kingdoms. They ruled fairly. They received the blessing that God had promised. They shut the mouths of lions, which reminds me of a song we sang. Um, they put out great fires. They escaped being killed by swords. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became powerful in battle. They beat back armies from other countries. That sounds good, right? And then it goes on to say, some of them were made fun of and even whipped. Some of them were held by chains. Some of them were put in prison. Some of them were even killed with stones. Some of them were sawed into two. Your children should probably be in children's church. Some were killed by swords. They went around wearing skins of sheep and goats. They were poor. They were attacked. They were treated badly. Isn't that what the Bible does? They tell us all the good things and they tell us what they also did. Then it says, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains. They lived in caves. They lived in holes in the ground. All these people were praised because they had faith, but none of them received what God had promised. That's because God had planned something better for us so they would only be made perfect together with us. Now, I'm going to get back to that part of the verse because I don't like that, so I'm going to talk about that later. But what I get from this whole thing is that God has something planned for us beyond what we see right now. Whether you're in the winning side and you're shutting the mouths of lions, or whether you're on the side where you're like, I'm living in a hole right now. Life is not perfect. This is something that I've learned through experience. If you've been alive, you know, more than a couple years, 
You realize life goes well, then it doesn't go well, and all the in-between. And the truth is that many of us are so engulfed in what's happening right now in our world that we can't even imagine that we were put here on purpose for such a time as this. We're so worried about what's going wrong or what we can't figure out. And it's not super encouraging to hear that people didn't receive what God promised. But what if God has you here in this 2021 world for such a time as this? You know, when I think of the greats, there's a lot of people that come to my mind. I'm sure you have your favorites in the Bible. I think about Moses, Abraham, Peter, Paul, and of course, Jesus. But today, I wanna just mention quickly a story about a woman named Esther. And I'm just gonna be real, like I'm not like a woman speaker that just speaks on women. I think, you know, I kinda try to avoid that. But when I was just, I honestly was driving in my car one day and I was just having these thoughts between me and God. And I was thinking, God, what can I do that makes a difference? What can I do that's gonna change something? It's not gonna be posting on Instagram. It's not gonna be standing in a protest. It's not gonna be being really upset about something and yelling at people in public because they're not wearing a mask. Those things are not gonna change the world long-term. So I was, I was thinking like, God, what am I supposed to do? What do you want me to do as a believer? What can I do? And I, I remembered this story and God spoke to me and I wanted to share it with you. So you might not know this, but Esther was an orphan. She was raised by her cousin Mordecai. She was a Jewish woman who literally through a series of pageants became the wife of the king who had previously killed his other wife. So I don't know who'd want to be in a pageant for that. But ultimately Esther was willing to fulfill God's purpose for her, whatever the cost. There's a lot that goes into the story and there's a whole book about it in the Bible if you want to read it. But I'm just going to talk about some of the facts. She risked her life in order to stop a mass slaughter of her people. And the truth is, her being the queen, she could have not been killed. But she saw that there was a bigger purpose beyond her own life. You know, some of us think like, if I was queen, I wouldn't care about what was happening to other peasants. I don't know why I like that word. <laughs> but it's like, you know, queen, peasants, I don't know. But think about this. Back then, they didn't even have like running water, electricity. Like you're probably living better than she was back then right? Like we're doing better than she was probably with all the technology that we have and conveniences and Chick-fil-A. Anyways, so it's a big part of life. So I was just, I was thinking about how it's easy to go, well, she was queen, whatever, but she actually risked her life, put herself in a dangerous place for the people of God who were her people, the Jews. Mordecai had encouraged her to actually step up to the king and he said, what if you became queen for such a time as this? He reinforced the idea that there was a greater purpose for her, that her life and a series of unusual events led her to become queen. And it had all been a setup for the special assignment for saving God's people. Have you ever thought that maybe your life is a setup so that you can do something greater than just for yourself? that we have a purpose in this world that maybe even goes beyond what you can understand, that God knows exactly why he brought you here and not in the early 1900s or 1800s, but he knew the kind of world that you would be living in today and entrusted you with it. That for such a time as this, you are in this world. So we're not here to just 
take orders and figure out how everyone else wants us to be, but we're here to understand that we are the children of God and we follow and stand on his truth. This Bible might be about stories from people thousands of years ago, but the Bible is living and active and working in our life every single day. So while we can go back and learn from things, we shouldn't make what feels true in the world right now more important than what is true. You can have your opinions, you can have your feelings, you cannot come up with your own truth. I wanna be the type of person that is led by the truth of God, not what I feel, not what I heard, not what the research says today. Did you know, side note, that Esther is the only book in the Bible to not mention the name of God? It's pretty crazy. But that's not to say that God was absent. His presence permeates much of the story as though he were behind the scenes coordinating coincidences and circumstance to make his will happen. Esther's life reminds us that God has a unique purpose for each and every one of our lives. God can and will use whoever he wants and he's chosen you. It's in his strength, not our own, that we succeed. A lot of us are striving, fighting to be successful instead of following God into the success he's already set up for you. When things seemed to be out of control for Mordecai and for Esther and evil looked like it was winning, God was at work. He was at work in the unseen. And often we do not consider that God has us where we are for such a time as this. We can take it so lightly. We can take our job lightly, our marriage. We can take our relationships, the country that we're in, the time that we're in so lightly. And we just think the world's crazy. They're crazy, the person you're married to. They're the problem, you know, like we take it so lightly. But what if God has you placed there for such a time as this? You know, God has a plan for you, but have you talked to him about it? Because I think if you're a believer, you believe God has a plan for me. But so many of us are, are content with believing and not understanding what the plan is. I love this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. He, he says it so well. He says, use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I wanna be and what I can do and use it for a purpose greater than myself. I wanna encourage you today to start to talk to God about why he has you here, why he has you in that job, why he has you wherever he has you, that you're feeling like, like you know, for me, I wanna know why, then I wanna know what, how, when, all those things, right? But a lot of times people stop at the why and they just get mad and they live their lives in disarray. Let your why and your what and your when questions lead you to who has the answer. Ask him, because I believe that God has a unique calling and purpose for you right now, today, in this world, not in 10 years, not when things calm down, you feel like you can be more bold about who God is. Like now, he has a purpose and a plan for you. And we hear these stories in the Bible about these people that had this faith, so they took action. But if you have faith, could you see your actions because of that faith? Could people tell that you're living differently because you follow God? You know, we've all heard of Moses, and I talked about earlier how this verse mentioned his parents, and I think it's really interesting, and it's probably because I'm a parent, and I've never seen this before, because, you know, you read the Bible, and you think you've seen it, and then you read it again at a different time of life, and you're like, was that always there? But I was reading, and it says, 
Moses' parents had faith, so they hid him for three months after he was born. They saw he was a special child. They were not afraid of the king's command. This, this literally spoke to me because I thought, maybe his parents are what gave birth to his personal faith. Our faith isn't just for us. Your faith is for your kids, the people around you, and the people that you don't even know that will come after you. You having faith and taking action is not just singularly for you. It speaks to generations. It speaks to legacy. And when that very next verse in Hebrews says, Moses had faith. So he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That happened after he had grown up. He chose to be treated badly together with the people of God. He chose to not enjoy sin's pleasures. They only last for a short time. He suffered shame because of Christ. He thought it had great value. Moses considered it better than the riches of Egypt. He was looking ahead to his reward. Because of his faith, Moses left Egypt. It wasn't because he was afraid of the king's anger. He didn't let anything stop him. That's because he saw the God who cannot be seen. When you see the God who cannot be seen, you will do things that cannot be done. You will be ahead of the curve. You'll be ahead of the reports. You'll be ahead of what you know to be possible for success because God is already in victory. He already is victorious. He doesn't live according to our timeline. We get held back because we have like time and aging and process and things, but God is like all in the midst of it. And he's standing on the other side of your victory going, I can't wait for you to get here, but you have to take action to get there. And you know, the thing I like about Moses, that like us, he wasn't perfect. Sometimes you see stories in the Bible and you're like, they're messed up. And then sometimes you see stories in the Bible and you're like, I don't know how they did that. But I think about Moses and like us, he wasn't perfect. He had a stutter. He was insecure. Like God called him to lead the children of Israel to the promised land. And yet Moses was afraid. So he asked God for a sign of his power so that he didn't just have to go, hey, follow me. But he could go, follow me. God said so. <laughs> How many of us are waiting for that? Like God's called you to do something. And you're like, but God, maybe you should show them. He's like, I put you there. But you know what's so cool about God? Whenever... Moses asked God, can you give me a sign? God just asked him this question. He said, what's in your hand? And to Moses, it was a stick that he used to beat stubborn sheep with. But to God, it was an instrument by which miracles would be performed. Sometimes what God's given us doesn't look like much, much to us. But when we actually submit it to him, it can do miracles. So, I was thinking about this and I know Pastor Keith has this leadershipology and I love it. It says this and you should probably just, you know, take this and remind yourself of this because it says your imperfect does not make his promises impossible. Sometimes we disqualify ourselves, but how could you disqualify yourself when God's the one that has already called you and qualified you? You're the only one that can step back and say, no, nah, never mind. But he's like, no, I've called you. You're qualified because of me, not because of you. And we're like, no, I can't do it. You know, I think about a few other examples. In John 6, Jesus was faced with the challenge of feeding over 5,000 people. And the disciples are like, we don't have anything, but this little boy has a lunch. And to the disciples, five loaves of bread and two fish couldn't feed thousands of people. But for God, it was more than enough. God is able to use exactly what he's given us. He can take our little and he can make it into more than enough. 
You know, there's another story of a widow. She was in debt and she had no way to pay the debt. And she goes to Elisha and she asks him for help. And he goes, what do you have in your house? She replies, nothing, just a little bit of oil. And to the widow, the oil was nothing, but to God in his hands, it was what he used to meet her current need. God wants to use your current abilities. He wants to use your possessions. He wants to use what you have right now to cause blessings and increase. But you have to be the one that puts your faith in action. In 2 Peter 1.3, it says, God's power has given us everything we need to lead a godly life. All of this has come to us because we know the God who chose us. He chose us because of his own glory and goodness. You know, I don't know, maybe you guys are like me, but a lot of times I think who I am, what I am, and what I have is not enough. Like I look at my deficiencies, I look at where I am today, and you know it's weird, I keep forgetting my age, I think I'm 32. <laughs> I'm in my 30s, guys, I don't know, I keep forgetting my age, but I think I'm 32. Am I, Mom? Okay, so... But you know, like when you're younger, you think like someone who's 32 better have their life together. And then you get 32 and you're like, oh, maybe when I'm 40, I'll, I'll have my life together. And then it's like, you know, all the things that you have of goals, it's just, you think of it by an age timeline, but it's just not. And when I think about these stories and I, I think about how God used what they had, I realize instead of looking at all the issues and the problems we're facing, we need to ask ourselves what's in our hand because God's given us exactly what we need to win. Your win might, like, might look different than their win, but what God's called you to do, you have what you need to do it. And this isn't popular in church, what I'm about to say. So just letting you know. But in Hebrews 11, it goes on to say things that these people face that we hopefully will never have to. In Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16, it says, all of these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things that God had promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a long way off. They openly said that they were outsiders and strangers on earth. People who say things like that show that they are looking for a country of their own. What if they had been thinking of the country they had left? Then they could go to where they, have they could return to it. Instead, they longed for a better country. They wanted a heavenly one. So God is pleased when they call him their God. In fact, he has prepared a city for them. There are parts of this verse that are not encouraging. Like somewhere in my mind, I think all the Bible should be encouraging. Do you feel that way? Like this should be encouraging. <laughs> But in verse 13, it says all these people were still living by faith when they died and they didn't receive what God had promised. So you're telling me that this verse is called faith in action and it celebrates all these people that had faith, but then they didn't see their faithfulness pay off in their lifetime? That's what I'm going for. Let's do this. Like, <laughs> like we want to see it happen. God, if you're going to call me to something, I better see the end. Right? Like we... We want things when we want them, how we want them. And I think the point of each one of these people having faith was that it was a faith that looked forward. Despite not having a crystal clear view of the future, they chose to trust in God and be faithful. 
So like our problem, once again, I said this earlier, but being bound by time and having our own timelines and thinking that certain ages or certain seasons should be a certain way, we have this idea of this is what God's promises should look like. Why would God give these people a promise and not see it to its full? Like, but I think the lesson here is that God's promises go beyond life on this earth. And just because you don't see it fully on this earth doesn't mean you won't see it. If you notice in that verse, it says that they saw it from a long way off. You know, I was talking to a friend about this message and just sometimes I like to like talk out what God's speaking to me because the messages that I share, it's like God's telling me this because I've, I've been dealing with this. and I, I hope it resonates with you because it's real. But I was talking to my friend and I was saying, you know, we like to use the word faithful. Faithful seems like a short-term statement, but it's a long-term word. And for some of us, because we only really think that we have this life, like YOLO, right? Like I told my dad, his is YOLT, because you only live three times, because he's almost died a couple of times and did die once. If you don't know his whole story, it's kind of crazy. So my joke with him is YOLT. But we think, you know, like we only have this life but the truth is, is that God is a God not bound by time. You have a purpose beyond this earth. So we think, well, these people didn't see God's promises. That's actually encouraging because what that means is there's a purpose for you outside of here. That what you're doing here matters beyond here. Like it's great to breathe. <sighs> Thanks God. But like you have something beyond your breath and your time and your relationships and your struggles here. You know, people say seeing is believing, but this verse shows that believing is seeing. Not having received these promises actually means, if you look at the Greek and you translate it, it's they didn't receive the fulfillment of the promises in their lifetime, but they did receive the promise. Sometimes we look at what God's doing and we're like, but it's not finished. And we like treat God like a genie, like, God, I need you to do this now. Otherwise, I'm not going to believe in you. Like he's going to like play mommy, daddy with you, you know, because you go to mommy and daddy when you want different things. And so like somehow we treat God like that. Well, God didn't do it for me. Maybe he's still working. Maybe he's still doing it. And maybe it's going to look better than what you thought. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in the place that we're in in life right now. The country that we live in, the moment that we're in, and yes, while there's something here for us to do, and that is very, very important, there's also something and somewhere beyond here. You have a greater calling that is eternal. And I love that this verse says God is pleased to be called their God because he says that or it says that when they understand that their home base, their kingdom is not this earth. So therefore, if we are believers, we should not play by this world's rules. We should not be bound by what we see here today. You know, we just say like, it is what it is. All this stuff that we're going through, it just is what it is. Really? Do you know the God that I know? Do you like remember the stories in the Bible with the plagues and with the death and the famine and like somehow they made it through? That's the God I serve. We don't just serve a God of like small miracles. He does big things. He created the world out of nothing. What did you have to do to create yourself today? You had to get yourself dressed and feed yourself to stay alive. But for the most part, everything else God did. And so 
I think that's why we're reminded when Jesus prays to his father in John 17, 14 through 19, he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Being not of the world is not the destination. It's the starting place. When you realize I'm in the world, but I'm not supposed to be of the world, you realize that just like Jesus, you were sent here by God for a purpose that goes beyond this world. It's not where things are moving toward, but where they're moving from. You know, in in verse 15 and 18, we see that God tells us, or through Jesus, Jesus says like, you sent me, so I'm gonna send them. And God loves this world. He loves the world that he created and he sent us just like Jesus to destroy the works of the enemy. But I think a lot of times what we don't realize is we are letting the enemy win in our mind, our lives, our heart. If you are being led by fear instead of faith, that is a choice. You might feel fear, you might feel discouragement, but that doesn't have to lead you. You don't have to submit to that. I can feel fear and I can set it aside and say, but God, you're faithful. So even though I feel fear, I'm gonna be led by you, not by what the news says, which I'll give you a little hint here. Did you know that how the news gets ratings? Fear is the number one thing that brings people back to watch the news. So why do you think they keep telling you things that make you feel that way, that keep you coming back? Because they need you to watch to keep them on the air. They're not just telling facts. They're telling you things that are coming back just like any other consumer product. They find what works for you and they bring you back. But guess what's more powerful than fear? Faith. So in the grand scheme of life, when things look daunting and we feel this feeling of like, I'm so small, I can't really like make a big impact or what can I do? I think that when we get into this place and we get stuck, have you ever felt stuck? Like you keep hitting the wall on something, whether it's like anxiety, like you keep feeling like anxious or, or you're sad, you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with very real things. Like those things are real, but they're not stronger than the power of God. They're not stronger than his truth. They're not stronger than the truth that you have already had a price paid for those things. And the way to actually receive them is to exchange what you have for them. So if you have anxiety, you say, God, I give this to you. He exchanges it for his peace. The Bible says passes all understanding. Why does a peace pass all understanding? Because it doesn't make sense that you would have peace in the world that we live in. But you have peace in the world that we live in because of who rules not who is in charge of this world. We have a God who is more powerful than anyone that is in charge of this world, our country, anything else. So when you start to feel fear because it's not who you want or it's not how you think things should be, you need to remember who's actually in charge and submit to that. Because the enemy wants you to stay in that place. He wants you to think that your life, your choices, your effort make very little impact. When in fact, You have the power of God living inside of you. 
And this is why I think that we're reminded what to do when the world feels crazy, when we're not sure like what we should be doing. In Romans 12, 2, it says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. I wanna live a beautiful life. I wanna live a life that not just satisfies God, but that makes him proud. How do you do that? Stop doing what everyone else is doing. I'm not sure how in our culture we think that the people that have authority are the people that have been verified on a social media platform. Like, check out these clothes. This is in my closet hall. Like, oh, here's this product you should try. Oh, also, here's this crazy video I just did that you should share. Like, how are those the leaders in our culture? How is it that we think like, oh, that person has so many followers that they probably bought? I was going to say something else, but never mind. Anyways, so it's like, you know, how, do, how is it that this is our culture that we live in? How do we change that kind of culture? Stop falling for it. You know, on the way to church, I was literally at a light and I pulled up my phone um, and I got like this notification from Instagram and it said, do you want to turn back on your like, like, like ability to see number of likes? And I'm like, what? And if you don't know this, Instagram and like social media platforms in general, they originally did this as a social project to see what would happen if people could see likes and see follows and all this kind of stuff. What they realized is they realized that when people could see a certain amount of likes and people interacting with them, it released dopamine in their brain, much like a drug, and released endorphins. And they realized, wow, we can get people addicted to this, more addicted than anything else. Like think about the first thing you do when you wake up, you open your phone right? So you open your phone and then you're like doing stuff and you don't even realize you're doing it. You're scrolling, you're looking. And then they, they took away the likes for a while to see what would happen. You couldn't see the likes on everyone else's stuff. And now they give you the option. Do you want the dopamine hit? You know, like I just had this thought of like, how weird is this culture that we're living in that somehow we think people have authority because people follow them or they're verified. Well, I have news for you. You've already been verified by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You don't need anybody else to tell you you're important. Some of you for real need to like not do social media because it's jacking with you. I told my husband the other day, he's like, why is it that all you post is me and our baby? I was like, cause that's what I care about. And I love you guys. And he goes, okay. I was like, it's like my own little like picture book for myself. Like I could care less if people follow me. <laughs> like, I, I honestly, like I try to use it for good, but at the same time, like it's for me, it's not for anybody else. That's why it doesn't affect me. Cause I could care less. Unfollow me, goodbye. You know, like <laughs> I could care less. <laughs> So I think like for some of us, we get so caught up in stuff like that and we think it's like a priority or it's important. And really what's important is that you're living a life that matters, that you're gonna leave something that goes beyond you and that extends into the kingdom of God. Probably the worst thing that could happen is that the only thing you pass down to your children is debt or money. Those are like the two options, right? Hopefully you leave them with money, not debt, but I'm just saying. That's probably the worst only thing you could leave behind because I think about my family and they're leaving behind a legacy of actions and faith and things that go deeper than just this world that I can look at and go, well, my dad and my mom, they did this. And you know what? The thing I love about this church is that Pastor Keith 
is always challenging us to think, be, and act beyond what we see and know. He's challenging us, specifically even this year, to believe in what is possible. And not just what we know or have seen in the natural. What I've found is that faith in action creates possible. You could believe all day, God, possible. But if you're not doing anything, you're going to see everyone around you get what's impossible and it's going to become possible in their life. And you're going to go, where's mine? We have to get to the place where we understand what Proverbs 16 says. 16.2, it says, go ahead and make all the plans you want, but it's the Lord who will ultimately direct your steps. We are all in love with our own opinions, convinced that they are correct. But the Lord is in the midst of us, testing and probing our every motive. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Then every plan you make will succeed. The Lord works everything together to accomplish his purpose. How often in our culture, let's get real, how often in our culture do we feel a conviction so deeply that it leads the rest of our life in a direction that we should have never gone because it's based in an emotion and not truth? We see this happening all over the world. People get fired up about something and guess what? It might be really real to you. But that is a reality of the world. It is not a reality of the kingdom of God. And when you understand that you are placed here by God for a purpose, you cannot be moved by the emotional whims of this world because you're gonna make your plans. You're gonna think that your opinion's correct and guess what you're gonna find at the end of your life? That emotion 10 years ago didn't get you anywhere. That, that time that you took aside to fight against those people didn't do anything. You didn't affect them for the kingdom. You didn't bring them into the kingdom by telling them how wrong they are. Love leads people to repentance, but love is not acceptance of everything. So Pastor Keith has said this to me my whole life and it's challenging and awesome and wonderful and like hard, but he says, take care of the little things and the big things will take care of themselves. You know, I lead the internship college here, which if you didn't know, we have a college. It's great. It's wonderful. I love it. I wish I could have gone. But I tell my interns a lot because, you know, I have a lot of interns that are they're really success-minded and growing up or being around a leadership culture. They think, like, I want these big things for my life. Well, like, how often have you maybe thought, like, I'd love to be a millionaire. You know, like, there's a game show. Who wants to be a millionaire? Did y'all ever watch that? Yeah. yeah, I like that show. Anyways, I don't even know if it's still around, but... We have these thoughts, like I have interns that'll tell me, I wanna be a millionaire one day. My first thought, because of what Pastor Keith's taught me as my dad, my pastor, my boss, my hero, he's taught me this. So I think, it's great that you wanna be a millionaire, I believe that for you, but what are you doing with a dollar? Because if you're not acting like a millionaire, now you will not become a millionaire. A lot of us want something for our marriage, we want something for our family, we want something for our life, but we are not acting like it now and doing the small things that we can do with what we've been given today. So how do you, how do you suppose that you will end up where you wanna be? It's the small things, it's understanding, what do you have in your hand? It might be $5, it might be a lunch, it might be oil, it could be a stick that you beat cheap with, I don't know. But if you turn it to God, He makes it useful in the kingdom. He has given you exactly what you need for this season. And I'm not usually like, I'm not like, I can't be sure of what's ahead, okay? 
And just when I feel like I do, it doesn't work out how I think it's gonna work out. But we have to ask God to see things right, to think right, to act right in the world that we're in today. And that happens through spending time with him. In Psalms 32, eight, it says, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway of your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide because he sees in the unseen. So don't make it difficult. That one was for me. Do you ever read something in the Bible and you're like, oh, that was me. Uh, so don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you have not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Some of you right now have been hearing this message and you've maybe been offended. You may have been frustrated at things I've said. I'm really not trying to be political or make any kind of stance except for to make the stance that God, his kingdom, is the only one you should be putting crazy effort into. Like I've had friends that have told me in the millennial generation, which people use as like a young people term, like millennials are 40 if you didn't know, like 40s and 30s, like we're old now. Gen Z is the next one. So millennials, not like a young people, like those millennials, like we're old now. So. People in the millennial generation that I grew up with, they say things like, and it's true based on the numbers, they're like, I'm not gonna bring a child into this world. This world's crazy. And I'm like, thank you, baby. That's what I'm saying. No! God has you here on this earth for this time to literally saturate the earth with people of God. Who are we to think, I'm not gonna bring them into this world, but guess what, this world needs them. So my generation doesn't believe in marriage. We're not getting married anymore. We're not having children. And what is that kind of world gonna look like? What does that kind of world look like that everyone's just trying to get rich quick? Everyone's trying to do their thing. We come to church and open our mouths and feed, but what are we doing? Because the Bible tells us that you are the church. It is not this building. So, if you feel challenged, if you feel frustrated, if you feel like, oh shoot, I don't know if this is a church message for me, then guess what? This is the message of God. I've read you scripture after scripture after scripture showing you that these people of faith had great times. They had hard times, but in the end, guess what? God was proud to be called their God. It makes me emotional, but I want God to be proud of me. I have in my, in my short life, I have faced things that I didn't choose. I faced abuse early on. I faced things like divorce. I faced things like sicknesses that doctors told me I might die. I've gone through a lot of different stuff and guess what I've learned? Cause you can look at people and think, well, they have their life's fine. They've never been through anything. Guess what I've learned? The only reason why God has allowed me to go through some of those things is because he's preparing me for something that he's called me to do. It's useful in the kingdom. If you don't place it in the king's hands, you will go through your whole life being a victim, wondering how he's gonna use it. Why is this happening to you? Why is this the world that I'm living in? And he's saying, I've placed you there for such a time as this. So you don't have to figure out the end. You don't have to figure out how it all works together. You just have to have the faith to start. Use what's in your hands. I wanna encourage you with this last verse and then I'm gonna pray for you. But in Matthew 6, 34, it says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. 
And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. For some of us, this year and a half has proven, man, things can happen that you didn't expect. Things can happen that you don't agree with. Things can happen that you're not down with happening. But guess what? This verse tells us, don't get worked up. Put your entire attention on what God is doing and God will help you. So many of us are literally in this place where we feel frustrated and helpless and we need God, but we're like, God, I need you, but we're not doing anything. The thing that I've learned in my life is that those things that I've been through, the things that I've encountered in life that are injustices or like unfaithfulness or like just hard things, the only way that they're useful is because I placed them back in his hands. And guess what happens when you place things in God's hands? You gain authority in that thing. I get so frustrated with our culture of people that try to use something while they're still hurt. They use it for a platform or to make money or to show that they're whatever. And God's still doing something in them. God's still working them. It's not that God can't use you when you're in process. But what I'm saying is, is that until you are, have released that, you can't have authority in it. You have to give it to God. He has to transform it. He has to take that stick. Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at keelacraftambrose.